today, I'm honored to introduce to you uh, a very good friend of our church, and, and Trey has been here, and his family has been here for a lot of years now, and doing camp, Trey Johnson, and uh, he is with Trey Johnson Ministries, obviously, but but he uh, he's he's a man that I would say is so disciplined with the truth of the Word of God and values the Word of God. He teaches our team open as well. He was the Rookie of the Year uh, for the PRCA and has won a lot of team open titles. When I go to Las Vegas to rope uh, in December at the at the World Series Finals, Trey does church services every morning at that at at that rope and and I go and I attend his church services every day, not just on Sundays. We do it all day, all the days. And uh, Trey and, and Heather and, and their, their kids, they've been so faithful to God through, throughout the years and doing church services at the rodeos for the Cowboys. And uh, when, when God put, put this team, the whole family's a team, honestly. When they put this team together, he put the team together. He did it for the glory of God. And, and t today, we're honored to hear from him. I know you're going to get a lot out of it. Trey has a, a nationwide television, or actually worldwide television ministry, and <clears throat> just does a lot for the kingdom of God. Welcome, Trey Johnson, for me, please. Thank you, Bob. Love you. Love you, love you. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? Great. I would like each and every one of you to put your hands together and stand to your feet for your pastor and his lovely bride. You are an honored people. Very blessed people. Phenomenal job. Phenomenal job. You know, Heather and I, my lovely bride, Heather, my daughter, Chloe, son, Hayes, they're here with me and, uh, you know, like Pastor said, we're, we we travel all over the country and world. And uh, today, we actually started our TV show, Being Your Best with Trey Johnson, on RFD TV this morning. It was our first first time, yeah. So with all the networks we're on, um, we're reaching almost a half a billion people a week around the world for the glory of God. So can we give God praise on that? So if you... Uh, haven't been recording the show, please record the show. Please uh, pray for us. And I want you to know, uh, Heather and I are so appreciative because this church, you are partners of our ministry, you know, and every person that saved, healed, delivered, set free, you're a part of that. And we are so grateful. We pray over you um, a lot. <laughs> And um, we're just very appreciative. It's always fun to come to Rodeo Bible Camp. And y'all just have such a, a precious team of people here that love us, that love the campers, that create an environment for God to show up and learn. You know, it's, uh, you know, Heather and I want our kids in this environment because God does things here that will last for eternity. And uh, it's just an honor to be a part of it. Well, this morning, are you ready to grow? I'm ready to grow. I, I love the Word of God, don't you? You know, it's important that we see church correctly. That this isn't something that we do on the way to lunch. <laughs> it's not something we check off of our box, you know, to make us feel better. 
and then we tip God on the way out. But it's very important that when we come into the house of God, that, that you and I, we, we set our, our mind, we set our heart in a place where we can receive God's word um, because it's his word that changes our life. And, and you know, the Bible refers to the house of God like, like a greenhouse. He says when we're planted in the house of God, notice it doesn't say potted in the house of God. It says planted in the house of God. See, potted, what does potted look like? Well, potted is, okay, I come to church with the way Aunt Boo Boo and Uncle Ding Dong taught me growing up. And I sit out there and I sit in my little pot. And I'll agree with you, preacher, as long as you don't come against Aunt Boo Boo and Uncle Ding Dong. (laughs) Or my religion or what I think I know about God. But when you come into the house of God, we have great greeters here. But the Holy Spirit hands out a hammer to each and every one of us. And he encourages us, today, will you, will you smash your pot? Today, will you be willing to break down your way of thinking? In any area of my life, God, that doesn't line up with your word, I'm going to smash the pot and I'm going to get planted. I'm going to allow my roots to go deep and I'm going to absorb everything from your word to help me be the person I'm called and created to be. That when I come into the house of God, I'm not coming with a religious mindset that I'm not just going to go through the motion. I'm expecting to hear the voice of God. Say it. I'm expecting to hear the voice of God. Because when you come into this place, God's hand on the thermostat, and it's set on grow. There's the right amount of the presence of God, the right amount, the right temperature, the right moisture to release what God has placed on the inside of us. Say grow. Well, this week at the Bible Count, you can look with me, 1 Peter chapter 1. We've been talking about being refined by fire, and for the next few minutes, I want us just to read from God's Word. I'm going to start with verses 5 through 9, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 9, and we're going to talk about the testing of our faith this morning. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 9, in the New King James Version, it says, Who are kept by the power of God through faith. Say, through faith. For salvation ready to be revealed in the last time In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, say my faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire. Tested means refined. Refined by fire may be found... To praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Say refined. Refined means with impurities or unwanted elements, having been removed by processing to purge. You know how I was... Doing this uh, home-going service for a friend of mine, and we're in this West Texas town where it's just desert. 
Iran, Texas. Have you ever been to Iran, Texas? I mean, it is in the middle of nowhere. You know, it, I mean, it's ugly. <laughs> and so I'm talking to this chaplain, this guy I'm doing the service for. You know, we're just doing a, a, a graveside service. And, and I'm talking to him, and he's talking to me. He'd been in the, served our country for like 40-plus years. And he had, you know, served in combat. And then now he was a chaplain. And we were talking, and I was going through a lot of difficult stuff in my, my life at that time. And, and we were talking, and he just looked at me. And he says, young man, I always want you to remember that in military, a man that hasn't been tested cannot be trusted. And I got to thinking about our relationship with God. And you know, a person that their faith has not been tested can't be trusted. Not necessarily the person, but to step out on the reality of faith. But when my faith is tested and I come through the trials of life stronger, not weaker, bolder, not weaker, knowing God more, not weaker, my faith can be trusted. God showed up for me this time, and God's going to show up for me next time, and God's going to show up for me the time after that. And anything that I face in life, whether it's financial, physical, relational, whatever it is, my God will never fail me. Now, that's not something we learn by hearing somebody else necessarily. That's something we learn by Him becoming our God. That he's not just healer to you, but he's healer to me. He's not just savior to you, he's savior to me. He's not just deliverer to you, he's deliverer to me. See, it's easy for us to sit out there and, and think, well, God, is, yeah, sure, God will show up for Pastor Randy. I mean, it's Pastor Randy. I mean, you know. And we postpone our victory. We postpone the answer to our prayer. We postpone the will of God for our life. When God wants you and I this morning to set ourselves, we can't change the past. Tomorrow's not come yet. Today is all we have. And today, I've got to make a decision in my heart that if anybody's going to hear God in this place, it's going to be me. If anybody's going to receive from God's word and apply it to my life, and I'm going to step out and God's going to show up. If God's going to show up for anybody, it's going to be me. See, the same God that showed up for Moses is the same God that wants to show up for me. Say me. The same God that answered Elijah's prayers, the same God that answers my prayers. Say he answers my prayers. But see, we've got to take ownership that God wants to be God to me. To me. Regardless of my past, regardless of the situation, regardless of all the dumb decisions we've all made. Just today. You know, the Bible says his mercy is new every day. Today qualifies, right? <laughs> so he says, okay, your faith is more precious than gold. How does God view your faith? He says it's more precious than gold. Now, none of us in here, we want to be low on money, do we? How many of you like to be low on money? Come on, let's see those hands. Get them up there. <laughs> but how much more important is it that we're not low on faith? He says, your faith is more precious to me than gold. So in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it says, You and I were born again, for by, by grace are we saved through faith. So we come into the kingdom of God 
by faith. Romans 12, 3, if you're taking notes, I'll just refer to them. Romans 12, 3 says, okay, to each one of us is dealt the measure of faith. Say faith. He says, now that you're in the family of God, I want you to live by faith. Romans 1, 17, if you're writing that down, he says, now that you're living by faith, that means we walk by faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, now it's impossible. Just so you know, you're in the family now. <laughs> he says, it's impossible, impossible to please God without faith. He says, but those who come to God must know that he is and he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek church. Him. 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 Say it, him. Yeah. Him. And all throughout the Bible, when you look at all the miracles, all the, the accounts, I mean, Mark chapter 10, blind Bartimaeus, he says, according to your faith, you're made well. Mark chapter 5, the one with the issue of love, according to your faith, you're made whole. Luke chapter 17, verse 10, whenever he's talking to the 10 lepers, he says, according to your faith, you be made whole. So faith is precious to God, so faith should be precious to me. Say precious to me. So whenever trials and tests come, when, when, I mean, I know this is a holy bunch, but how many of you have been through some tests and trials before? <laughs> Rest of you will maybe deal with lying later. I mean, <laughs> if you're breathing, Listen to what Jesus said in, in John chapter 16, verse 33, in the Amplified Translation. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world, you will have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration. Oh, Jesus, can you talk about something a little funner? <laughs> he says, okay, but be of good cheer. Take courage, be confident, be certain, be undaunted, for I've overcome the world and deprived it of power to harm and have conquered it for you. Say for me. So we come into the family of God by faith. We're told to live by faith. We walk by faith. We please God by faith. And it says, okay, in 1 Peter chapter 1, he says, now the testing of your faith, your faith, the testing of your faith, your faith, say my faith. One translation says the genuineness of your faith. In other words, the reality of your faith comes alive whenever you approach a trial and tribulation correctly. See, God has a plan for our life. We could go on and on about scriptures of God's plan, but simply it's a good plan. Say it's a good plan. The devil has a plan for your life also. Do you know that? And it's a bad plan. John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes not for to steal, kill, destroy. Jesus said, I come to give you life and life more abundantly. So when trials come, tribulation comes, I mean, we've got to ask a few things. Okay, how does God look at this situation? God says, okay, I want you to understand that I look at your faith as precious. Say precious. He says, now this trial, this tribulation, they're going to come in the world. If you're breathing, they're coming. But see, it's our choice of how we're going to approach the problem. See, the problem isn't the problem most of the time. It's how we see the problem. And if I can approach problems from uh, the right perspective, from God's perspective, 
then I can get through the trials of life. On the other side, I'm going to be stronger. On the other side, I'm going to have more courage. On the other side, I'm going to have more wisdom. On the other side, I'm going to know God more. Notice what it says in 1 Peter it says, this is what's found. It says that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found. What's found in you when you go through a trial? What's found in you when you get a doctor's report? What's found in you when the economy goes up and down and all around? What's found in you when we're isolated from one another? What's found in you? He says, when we approach our relationship with God correctly, you know what he's going to find in you when you come out and your faith. See, the enemy wants you to come through a trial on the other side stripped, defeated, not knowing who you are questioning the character of God, wondering where is God, why did God allow this, what is happening to this world. But God wants us to come through tests and trials in the fire stronger, knowing regardless if I understand, God will never leave me nor forsake me. Regardless if it makes sense to my natural mind, God's word always works, God is always faithful, he always answered prayer, and he's in me, for me, and on my side. He says, this is what's going to be found. Yes, give God praise. Notice what he said is found here in 1 Peter. says, found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What's what should be found in us? Instead of gropping and complaining, praise should be found in us. What should be found in us when pressure comes on is honor. Honor means esteem, appreciate, value. I honor, I honor you, God, regardless if I understand. I honor you even if it didn't work out the way I thought it should work out. I honor what's found in you when heat comes on. Bleep, 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 bleep. <laughs> Or is it, Father, I praise you regardless. I praise you and I know that you're going to help me and you're working on my behalf right now. And I know that angels are working. I know your word is working. I know the power of your blood is working. What's going to be found in me is praise. What's going to be found in me is honor. What's going to be found in me is glory. Say glory. The word glory means weighty. It means goodness. It means the presence of God. When I get through whatever I'm dealing with, what's going to be found in me is a reflection of Jesus upon the earth. I'm going to be a light shining in darkness. I'm going to be the head and not the tail. I'm going to be above and not beneath. This is what's going to be found in me. What's going to be found in you? See, you're the only one that can make that decision. God's not the one bringing the trial or God's not the one behind the sickness. God's not the one behind the lack. God's not the one behind the COVID. God's not the... Go back to the original. You can always, okay, draw a line in the sand. If it's life, life more abundantly, it's God. If it's stealing, killing, and destroying, it's not God. Okay, I, because of dumb decisions sometimes, make things a lot worse than they should be. But even in those cases, God is still merciful. So, so when you go back to the, to the beginning, you can go through Genesis 1, Genesis 2, and it says, and God created the sun, the moon, the stars, and it was good. And God created the trees and the seed and the grass. And then what did he say? It was good. And everything God created, he'd always end with this phrase, and it was good. Nowhere do you see in creation God's original heartbeat and plan that he created sickness and said it was good, created disease or lack or poverty or anything that steals, kills, and destroys. He's good. Say he's good. he's good. 
But he said, you're living in this world, and in this world, you're going to have some fire, and you're going to have some trial, and you're going to have some tribulation, he says, but be of good cheer. I've already overcome the world, and I've deprived of the power to harm you. Say me. So, so let's look here. Y'all are doing so good. Y'all are good listeners. I'm going to skip through some of this because we could be up here a long time. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says. For he says, I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. 2 Corinthians eleven two, 2. For I betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear least somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. So your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. For I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. So whenever something, you, do you remember? I remember coming to church and I would sit there and listen to the preacher and I had no idea what he was saying. And he spoke way over my head. He had a lot of initials behind his name, but I couldn't understand anything. And then somebody would just come up and they would just keep it simple. Say, keep it simple. And I was like, oh, I get it. Or you go to a school or something and they try to explain, you know, all this stuff. And you're going, huh. But somebody who wrote the book shows up and they break it down and it's so simple. And it says, Paul, the apostle Paul was writing this. He says, I, I, I fear that the same way. Satan deceived Eve, corrupted, he used the word corrupted, corrupted her mind from the simplicity that is in Christ. He says, I don't want the same thing to happen to you. So go with me to Genesis chapter 3. Let's see where this story takes place and how, how do the original, this is the original faith stripping process. So remember, the enemy wants us to come through a trial, a tribulation, a fire, and he wants us to be completely stripped and defeated, questioning if there's even a God. But God says, in relationship with me, if you approach it correctly, you're going to come through the trials and the fire and the tribulation, and you're going to get through the other side, and you're going to be stronger. You're going to be sharper. You're going to be quicker. What's going to be found in you is glory. What's going to be found in you is honor. What's going to be found in you is praise, because Jesus has been revealed to you in such a way that nobody can talk you out of your healing. Nobody can talk you out of your eternal salvation. Nobody can talk you out that God is who he says he is to you, not just to somebody else. So how do you approach test and trials and fire? Genesis chapter 3. Look at this right here. He says, now the serpent, verse 1, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field. Remember Paul just said he's crafty. More cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? So, so how... Does Satan deceive people? How does he strip people of their faith? Your faith is precious to God, so our faith should be precious to us. And if faith is how we get saved, and faith is how we live, and faith is how we please God, well, it makes sense that the enemy would come after your faith because that is your currency in the kingdom of God. So right here, he says, I'm, Paul says, I pray that the same way Satan deceived Eve, I pray that he doesn't deceive you and he corrupts you from the simplicity that is in the gospel. 
And he goes on and he says, Now the serpent was more cunning, more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said, The woman, to the woman, has God indeed said? One of the ways that he strips us of our faith is he gets us to question the character and nature of God. Did God really say he would forgive you of all your sins? Did God really say that his mercy is new every day? Did God really say that he would supply all your needs? Did God really say that Jesus took your infirmity and bore your sickness and by the stripes of Jesus you're healed and made whole? Did God say, has anybody ever had the enemy question the character and nature of God to your mind? Let's keep reading verses 2. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, now I want you to picture Adam and Eve were brilliant. Brilliant. I mean, they weren't, Ugh, ugh. <laughs> Eve, get Adam grape. They were brilliant. Say brilliant. They had walked with God in the cool of the day. God had explained to them how he created the heavens and the earth. And he explained to them the whole process of growth and all this stuff that was going to happen. And he gave Adam dominion and authority. He says, now you name. I'm going to bring them in front of you. Now you. I mean, they're brilliant. Say brilliant. But Satan comes and he starts to get them to question the character and nature of God. So they're not dumb. But one thing happens when we get to think that we can overcome Satan in our own power. And we try to overcome just in the mental realm or the physical realm without God. We will get our tail kicked every time. But the greater one lives in us. And we're not living on this earth by ourselves, We're not fighting these battles by ourselves. God is in us. God is for us. God is on our side. So we can be everything God has called and created us to be. Let's keep going. Verse 4, And the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die. You go down to verse 5, For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. So notice the process here of how he strips a person of their faith. Because Adam and Eve, they knew the plan of God. They knew the word of God. And he began to get them to question, Did God say, Why would God do this? Why would God let this happen? Think about this. Think of your own, your own relationship with God and how the enemies brought these questions up in your mind. Why would God allow this to happen? Why did this happen? Where is God? How come it didn't work out the way that I thought? Did God say, why would God do that? This isn't true. He's a liar and the father of all lies. John chapter 8 verse 44. He's a liar. So he comes and he lies to you and I trying to get our eyes off of God and onto the circumstance or situation. So he strips us by getting us to question the character and nature of God because we allow our circumstances to speak louder than God. He comes and he lies to us about the character and nature. I'm a nice guy and I enjoy people and I love people. But if you start talking to me about my earthly father and you start accusing my earthly father as a liar and he is not a man of his word and he won't do what he said, you and I are going to have problems. I believe in healing. And so this conversation goes on on the inside of me. Do I lay hands on them suddenly and believe they're healing later? Or <laughs> I'm still a work in progress. I'm just saying, you know. 
But how many times do we sit by and we let people and the devil accuse our heavenly father who is good and faithful and just and right and his word always works and he's always there in us and for us and on our side. See, the devil's a liar. Say he's a liar. Verse 6, Genesis 3, 6. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave to her husband with her and he ate. And then the eyes of them both were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. So when the woman saw, say saw. So how does the enemy deceive us he questions the character and nature of God. He questions the promise of God. He gets us to question the promise of God. Why would God let this happen? And he also, the woman saw the tree that it was good for food. By what we see can talk us out of our faith if we're not looking at the right thing. He can use and tries to use our physical senses to talk us out of who we are in Christ Jesus, to talk us out of our dream, to talk us out of our destiny. Just for time's sake, you remember in, in Matthew chapter 14, whenever Peter and the disciples, they're in the boat and, and the storm's raging and the storm, and I mean the wind and the sea and I mean all this stuff's going on and Jesus, he walks out on the water and all of a sudden they, ah, oh, what are you? I mean, if you saw somebody walking out on the water, what would be your reaction, you know? But then Peter, he says, he says, don't be afraid. Take courage. It's me. And Peter says, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come. And what did Peter do? See, the word of God always builds faith in whatever area of life I need to increase my faith in. If it's you, Lord, bid me to come. And what did Jesus say? Come. See, you'll always hear Jesus saying, come. You won't ever hear him say, boy, you better get back in the boat. I mean, that's a big wave. I don't know what you're going to do. I mean, sink or swim, baby. <laughs> No, what, what he's saying to you about the promise that he's given you, he's saying, come. He's saying, come, come, come towards me about your dream. Come towards me about your kids. Come towards me about your destiny. What are you going to hear God say? Come. He's going to say, keep coming. Whatever you do, keep coming. He's not going to say, keep going away from me. He's going to say, keep coming to me. Keep coming to me. And as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, what's happening? This test is trials trying to steal his faith from him. But he did the impossible when he kept his eyes upon Jesus. But as soon as he got his eyes on the way he felt, on the circumstance, on the wind, the waves, bloop, 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 bloop. <laughs> but then the goodness of God, Jesus reached down and he grabbed him. And you notice what he said? He said, oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? That's the first thing he said. He didn't say, Pete, I mean, you were doing it, buddy. I mean, you got out of the boat and, woo, I'm the only one that's walked on water. But me and you, baby, he did Because ah! <laughs> that might have been my approach. I've been high-fiving Pete out of the way. But no, he said, oh, you little faith. Why did you doubt? I mean, can't you see in today's society, the next day, we, we fast forward, Peter, he's in the psychiatrist's office. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm there all the time. I mean, I'm faithful. He needs a piece of bread. I get him a piece of bread. I get fish. I get him a piece of fish. And all he said to me was, where's your faith? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Now, being real here with us, 
What was he saying? Pete, I know what you're feeling. It was real. I know what you saw. It was real. I know what's going on in our country. It's real. Whatever your doctor's report, it's real. He said, but why did you doubt? In other words, he said, hey, Pete, there's no good excuse for you getting your eyes off me. You know the definition of excuse, Keaton? An invalid reason for neglecting your duty. So in other words, if you and I would have said, but Lord, did you see the size of the wave? Ah, wrong answer. <laughs> God, I mean, the, the, the water was messing my hair up. Ah. Not my hair, <laughs> your hair. <laughs> so we got to be real with ourselves. I mean, he's going to try to strip our faith by our senses. So he's going to try to question the character and nature of God. He's going to try to get you and I to question the character and nature of God. He's going to try to lie to us. He's going to try to get us to look on the circumstance. And then we play this mind game with us that, that, you know, you don't understand. God, you don't understand. No, he understands. And you're made in his image and likeness. You have his DNA on the inside of you. And he knows you have what it takes to overcome anything this world throws your way. Your faith is precious to God, and it should be precious to you. You remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, I'm getting ready to be done. Verses 10, 9 and 10, 11, the Israelites, they're complaining, they're gripping, they're moaning. I know y'all have never done that before, right? But, and he says, this is for our example. Numbers 21, verses 9 and 10, he says, because they were gripping and moaning and complaining... What happens, these snakes come in to the camp and people are just dropping like flies, right? Dropping like flies. And as they go to Moses and said, hey, Mo, we apologize. You know, we complained to God, about God. We complained about you. We didn't think this manna was cutting it. I mean, you know, with no water out here. We apologize about that. Can you do something about this? So Moses, God, Moses goes before God and God says, I want you to put this serpent and I want you to put it up on the pole. Stay with me here. And he says, you need to tell them that I know a lot of them, they're feeling. I mean, you picture this. I mean, they're feeling the snake bite is real. The venom that's going through their body and stiffening them up and they're feeling the fire going through their body. It's real. People are dropping. I mean, you, you, what if, this picture is, what if in this place right here we drop just two snakes? Can you imagine what would happen? I mean, people would be up on the chairs running out. I'm at new doors would be made through the windows probably. I mean, there'd be a lot of chaos, right? But you don't have this amount. You have almost 3 million people. When you think of the chaos. Almost 3 million people. And thousands of snakes have come in because of their gripping and complaining. See, you can't be in faith and be a gripper and complainer at the same time. That's not my, serve, my message, but some of you, that's hitting you right between the eyes. Just look straight ahead and just smile. <laughs> but these snakes come in. And all of a sudden, God tells Moses, I want you to put this serpent up on the pole, and I want you to tell him. I want to just read this out of the Amplified Translation because it's so powerful right here. Numbers 21, verse 9 in the Amplified. And Moses made a serpent of bronze and put it on a pole. 
And if a serpent had bitten any man when he looked, when he looked to the serpent of bronze attentively, expectantly, with steady and absorbing gaze, he lived. When he looked to the serpent of bronze attentively, expectantly, with a steady and absorbing gaze, an absorbing gaze. Let me picture this. You're sitting there, and God's answer sometimes, it, is, it, it did not come to necessarily make sense. God's word always comes to make faith, but not necessarily sense. Because we can talk ourselves out of, well, I hear Johnny screaming because Johnny just got bit by the snake. He says, look at the pole. Attentively, expectantly, with a steady, absorbing grace. I mean, camels running off the hill. Tent. I mean, people freaking out. Your best tent is burning over here. And you're hearing, ah, you know, donkeys running. I mean, stuff is happening. Chaos. But God, look, camels running. God, look, donkeys running. God, look, my best tent, it's burning. He's saying, look, look, look. Attentively, expectantly, with a steady and absorbing gaze. And the person who does this, they live. They live. So what is the Spirit of God saying to us this morning? Regardless of what's going on in our life, when our Faith is tested by the trials and tribulations of life. He's saying, I know you might be hearing little Johnny getting bit by a snake, but keep your focus. Because when you look to Jesus attentively, when you look to Jesus expectantly, notice the word, when you look to him absorbingly, absorb. When you look at the definition of absorb, it means that the larger is going to absorb. It's going to soak in. It's going to take from the smaller. Isn't that what Jesus did for you and I? He's already absorbed the, our sin and the consequences of our sin. He's already taken sickness and disease upon his body. He's already taken the curse upon his body. And he says, if you you will keep looking expectantly, attentively, absorbingly. Let his word absorb you and he will absorb you. He says, and they will live. They live. Your family member, they'll live. That relationship, it will live. Your finances, it will live. When we look to him, he's already absorbing. I want you to see this in your mind. Whatever you're going through, when you look to him attentively, you look to the promise attentively, there might be times you have tears running down your face and you don't know how it's going to happen and you feel like your insides are completely being ripped out. You keep looking unto him attentively, expectantly, absorbing. God, I'm seeing, I'm letting you absorb my pain. You absorb my hurt. You absorb my sickness. And I'm receiving your comfort. I'm receiving your healing. I'm receiving the cleansing power of your blood. And he says, and you live. You live. When you look to Jesus, the result is you live. You live. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you to see whatever you're dealing with. I want you to look to the promise of God. If it's a physical issue, I want you to see Jesus absorbing that sickness, that disease upon his body. And you're looking to him attentively and expectantly. And I want you to see the living power of God going into your physical body. Right now. He's absorbing it. He's already absorbed it and he released to you healing. 
there's, there's somebody here that you've been dealing with, with issues in your stomach area. It's like a, a, a knot, like a, a bubble on the inside of your stomach. And, and look to him, and I just keep hearing, and, and, and you live. And you live, and, and you live. And I just command that thing to dissipate right now. I command the pain to stop right now in the name of Jesus. In your, in your nasal passages, your nasal cavity. Right now, I want you just to see the pain being absorbed by Jesus. And he's released to you health and healing. Yes, there's eyes, eyes that are being touched right now because you're, you're looking to him attentively, expectantly. And your eyes are living. The retinas are being re- created in the name of Jesus you live that area of your life it lives maybe it's a maybe it's a relational issue you you feel the pain of the snake biting but Jesus is saying look look to him expectantly attentively absorbingly And it lives. Maybe you're here today and you've, you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. You feel like you have done too much. He's saying just, just look to Him. He's already absorbed every sin. Every wrong, hurt, painful thing that you've done. And that's been done to you. There's, just keep your heads about eyes closed. There's, there's individuals in here that you've dealt with molestation before in your life. And you feel dirty and shamed and condemned. And like it was your fault. And it's not your fault. And he's saying look to him attentively. Look, look to him expectantly. And you're going to live. Your heart's going to live. The guilt and shame has to go in the name of Jesus. You live. Those individuals in here that you've never really looked to Jesus. You've never really, yeah, you've played church maybe, or, but you've never really looked to him attentively, expectantly, seeing him absorbing all your sins, past, present, future. And you don't have that knowing on the inside of you that if you were to die today, that you would spend eternity with Almighty God. Every person thinking, every person at the sound of my voice, are you certain that if you were to die today, you would spend eternity with Almighty God? At some point in time in your life, have you called upon the name of Jesus and made Jesus your Lord and personal Savior? If you've never done that, would you make today the day that you do that? You say, how how can I do it? Very simple. I'm not going to... I'm just going to have you do something very simple. All of us are going to do it as friends and family. We're going to do it out loud. I want you confident in this prayer that you're praying. But if you want to settle where you're going to spend eternity and you want to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior for the very first time in your life, as we say this prayer out loud, I want you to believe these words in your heart and I want you to declare them with your mouth like your eternal destiny depends upon it because it does. And right where you're sitting or standing, you can be sure and certain that you receive eternal life. And all of your sins are cleansed. They're forgiven. And you become a new person in Christ Jesus. Can we pray this prayer together, family? Boldly. Can we say, Father God, today is the day. 
that I make the decision to believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead to give me life. And right now, I accept that life. And I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. And according to God's Word, I am forgiven. I'm now saved. I'm now born again. And I can be certain that I'll spend eternity with Almighty God. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed except the leadership team here, if you said that prayer for the very first time and you meant it, what we're going to do at the count of three, I want you just to slip your hand up in the air saying, yes, I prayed that prayer for the very first time and I meant it. And our ministry team's going to put a Bible into your hand. Helping you be the warrior you're created to be. Have some boldness. Have some courage. You just made a life-changing decision. Are you ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. Would you just slip your hand up if you said it for the very first time? Saying, yes, I prayed it and I said it for the very first time. God sees that hand right there. Who else? I know there's several of you that did it. Raise your hand. There's some back there. Who else? Just stick your hand up and said, yes, I prayed it for the very first time and I'm in it. Thank you for your boldness. Thank you for your courage right there. Thank you. Thank you. Who else? Now look up. Just one more moment. You can put your hands down. Now look up here at me. How about the rest of us? At some point in time, all of us had to make that decision. But let's make a decision that what's going to be found in me when life happens, it's going to be praise. What's going to be found in me when life happens? God, I honor you even when I don't understand. What's going to be found in me is your goodness, God. You're good. You're good. When the devil, you tr he tries to question the character and nature of God, open your mouth and declare God's word. When he opens his mouth, you come back with your mouth open. Say, uh-uh, you listen to me. Regardless of the doctor's report, I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. Regardless of the economy, my God supplies all of my needs according to his riches and glory. Regardless of what the government is doing, you're in me, you're with me, you're for me. And nothing can be against me. Did you get something out of the word today? Can we give God praise? Pastor Randy, go ahead and come on up. Guys, we love you. We believe in you. There's, there's product back there. Chloe and Hazel will be back there to help you with that. Um, please go to our social media stuff. We do stuff every day just trying to add value to people. We want you to know we love you. Those of you who received healing in your, your eyes, your nasal cavity, your stomach, let, let the team know. Those of you who made Jesus your, your Lord and Savior, can we give them another round of applause? I'll hand it over to you. I love you. Yeah, buddy. You stand with me, please. Our camp verse was so perfect for everything that Trey was talking about. In uh, Proverbs 17, 3, in the same way that gold and silver are refined, the Lord purifies your heart through the tests and trials of life. Anybody need a more pure heart? We're going to have some tests and trials, but we're going to get pure before God. 
thank you for the blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Trey. I love you. Hayes, Chloe, Heather, thank you for being here. We're, we're honored to have you. Bless you. Let me pray for you. How many needs to get closer to God? How many feel like you got a little closer this morning? Let's raise our hands and surrender to God. Oh, we give our lives to you. We surrender to you. Thank you, Lord, for your many blessings. We thank you, Lord, that you do all things well. So we surrender our will, our lives, our future to you, knowing that you are, well, are that our lives are in great hands when they're in your hands. And so we thank you, Lord, for our future. And I thank you, Lord, for everybody here. I pray that you would meet all of the needs, the physical needs, the spiritual needs, the financial needs, the emotional needs. I pray, oh God, that you would just meet all of our needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And we do pray it in your name, Lord Jesus. And the church said... Amen. We have our prayer team up here if you need special prayer. If you invited Christ into your heart, uh, let our people know back in the back at the information desk. Thank you for being here. God bless you.